Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Lefondre looking to get side of Vaughn. Lefondre away from David. 3-1 running. Three points running. Hello and welcome to another Elm Park Royals preview podcast. And it is three points for Reading, two games on the bounce. Who would have been saying that a week ago? I'm joined this week by uh, Benji Nurek. How are you doing, mate? I'm doing very well. Always always nice to have a, a couple of wins to talk about. Yeah, I mean, obviously there was a lot of discontent over many things um, over the, like, the last few weeks. Um, Pauno's gone um, and Paul Lintz is here, but... More than anything, I think just getting a couple of wins has alleviated so much pressure. Yeah, I mean, I think prior to the Peterborough game a week ago, which is is important now when you look back on it that the team didn't lose that game. But prior to that, I would have said that Derby were probably the favorites to stay up of those three or four teams at, at the very bottom. Now, obviously, there's an eight-point gap and it's in Reading's hands. So things certainly look a lot sunnier than they did a week ago. Yeah, and I mean, just looking at the table, um, in the midweek fixtures, the only teams not to lose were um, Reading and Barnsley from 14th down. So it, it's two wins at the right time as well. Definitely. I mean, it's the nice thing about being in a relegation battle is that everyone's losing. So one or two wins make such a big difference. Whereas if you're competing at the top of the table, everyone's winning. So you just need that to keep up here. You can really build up a gap pretty quickly. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure that there's many nice things about being in a relegation battle. I'm not sure that's quite the way I would have phrased it. But, uh, you know, whatever floats your boat, Benji. Um, I mean, midweek was... Okay, like, and it's it's difficult to know how much was Paul Ince, and he himself before the match said it wasn't really him. I think he was kind of setting himself up to, you know, have an excuse were they to lose. But um, they, I mean, they did okay, right? I I feel like the penalty for um uh, the the penalty for the second goal was one where Reading just haven't been getting that rub of the green. Like you go back to that whole match and and others, it's maybe the luck is also turning at the same time as this new manager bounce. 
Yeah, and ultimately, luck isn't sort of a scientific thing. So if if, if Reading players and fans, etc., just start to believe that luck is turning, that's really, I think, the crux of it. You have to have that belief and things like hanging on in these last two games when in previous weeks Reading may have folded and conceded the equalizer, things like getting that penalty, getting a little bit of luck, it'll all just help build that belief within the squad and within the fan base. So I think that's such a crucial element, and these these last two games should really help them massively with that. Yeah, and I mean, we, we go into Blackpool um, on Saturday, another one where I think Ince was saying he won't really get time with them until the midweek break next week. So we're not really expecting to see much different again, I would expect. Yeah, I think it'll be much the same in terms of team formation, etc. I think it'll be a lot what we were seeing before. I think Ince is a very different manager to Paunovic, and I think that was kind of the point, is that once you get tired of one type of manager, it helps to have something that's kind of like a polar opposite, and Paunovic was very sort of buddy-buddy with the players. He didn't really want to call them out necessarily. Some felt that he wasn't quite harsh enough, especially for a relegation battle. And Ince is totally the opposite. He's very much, if you don't do it my way, you're not going to do it at all. And that is, in fairness, probably what is needed right now. And then at some point, I'm sure the players will get tired of that and you'll see the cycle shift again and they'll want someone who's a little bit more casual and informal and and less of a taskmaster. But I do think Ince's vibe, if you want to call it that, is probably what is needed at this moment. Yeah, I mean... He's obviously here on, in quotations, an interim basis. Um, I don't think anyone believes that, do they? He's he's probably got the job until the end of the season. Yeah, unless I think unless things go catastrophically wrong, I'd be surprised if they bring someone else in before the end of the season. But you truly, as with most things at this club, it's hard to know for sure. There's nothing that's really very clear, but it does seem like that's where things are headed. Yeah, I mean... If he wins games, I guess no one will really care. Um, there, there was kind of a an article that came out midweek that talked about his ties to Kia Drabchian as well. And do, do we know whether he is? Then the Athletic came out and they said, oh, no, it's not Kia. Do we know what his relationship with Kia actually is? So unfortunately, we do not. Um, everything that I'd kind of heard from multiple different people was the same thing that I that Jonathan Lowe was reporting and Courtney Friday and other people who kind of have various sources, contacts, etc., which was that it was at least Kia supported, if not Kia fully backed. So then that that report in The Athletic threw me by surprise because I don't know exactly who they're hearing from that it wasn't because everything that I was hearing was that it was. Um, So ultimately, I guess that leaves us fairly unsure. Unfortunately, we weren't given a lot of time to speak with uh, Paul Ince after the game on Saturday, and much of it was dominated by the national media asking questions that, to be totally honest, fans aren't interested in, that people, I guess, reading The Sun might be interested in. But we weren't really given much airtime. So we weren't really able to get into the – the, the more specific questions about what is Michael Jilks's role? How did he actually end up getting the job? What is his relationship with the owner? But I'm sure that the time will come for, uh, for, for those types of questions to be asked and hopefully answered, but can't say for certain. Yeah, because I mean, with my fairly cynical hat on when it comes to these things, uh, Michael Jilks does feel like just a way to make the idea of Paul Lynch slightly more palatable. Yeah, I, I, think, it, I think it is that. I, I don't really... 
it, it baffles me kind of how some of these and the, the way in which some of these decisions are made and then put out to the public. It just, it feels so unnecessary to do everything in such a cloak and dagger manner. Why the need to announce Paul Lintz at the end of Paunovic's departure statement? Why the need to say that he's doing it alongside Michael Jilks? You can just say that Michael Jilks is going to be his assistant or one of his assistants or one of his coaches helping him out. I, I don't really get why they feel the need to not lie to fans, but certainly Certainly, I, I think it's fair to say not tell them nearly the whole truth with pretty much every single decision that's made. But anyways, that is where we are. Clearly, Paul Lintz is the manager, and it's not Michael Jilks. Clearly, it's not a team of them. I mean, on the touchline on on Wednesday, it was – or Tuesday, it was Michael Jilks and Alex – I mean, it was, uh, sorry, Paul Ince and Alex Ray. So clearly, Michael Jilks is involved, but he's clearly not the manager. And I don't know why they didn't come out and say that. Maybe it was to avoid a backlash, but the backlash was going to come anyways when you're being so unclear. But, yeah, I, I think – I honestly think it's probably for the best for Michael Jilks. I don't know if being such a young sort of coach manager who doesn't have experience, this doesn't seem like the right job for someone like that. So I think it's probably best for him that he's not sort of the manager right at the front of what could end up being a disaster, could end up being a great success because if Reading stay up this season, it's a big success. But as we know, things can very easily implode here. And I think it's probably best that Michael Jilks isn't the face of that. Yeah, absolutely. And like the other thing is like we've not even touched on the fact that Mikael Edgewood is allegedly part of this squad of managers. And as you say, the, the announcement um, for Velko leaving, it, it kind of made it sound like Paul Lintz and Michael Jokes were, were on a level playing field, but also I think was very careful not to explicitly say that. They never actually mm -hmm. used the word co-managers in that statement. They mm -hmm. just said that he's acting alongside Michael Jones. Alongside. So, yeah, it's, yeah, as you say, it's just, it, it's difficult to get to the bottom of things at Reading. Um, and if, if you can't, I don't know who can, Benji. I mean, uh, Jonathan Lowe's also giving it a very good go, but I um, mean, it, it's not the, uh, not the easiest situation to work in, I imagine. But uh, coming back to the wins and everything, mm -hmm. because we like to come back to the positives. Absolutely. Uh, that, that not only has alleviated some of the pressure on Reading, but it's brought back a, a feel-good factor that even, even if we don't get a win against Blackpool, I think is probably here to stay for at least a couple of matches. Yeah, I, I would think so and I would hope so. I mean, it was uh, the celebrations after the win on Tuesday were not really scenes that I think I've or we've seen in quite a long time. And it, it does make a big difference, sort of just, just having those positive memories with this team, having those positive memories with the manager, with your fellow fans. It makes a big difference because that can help build the connection with the, the, the players on the pitch. I mean, when you're seeing players like Andy Yadom, Tom McIntyre, Tom Holmes celebrating in front of of the crowd it does make a difference even if it's just three points just three points I mean three points are massive but it's bigger than that because it can start to build bridges that we haven't really seen in the last sort of couple of months and I think that that feel-good factor as you say that can start to snowball a little bit and even if they don't win on Saturday let's say they put up a fight get a 1-1 draw even lose I think there can still be reason 
for that positivity to go into the next game. And on things, and, and, and unless things really capitulate, I think there's reason that that can snowball into more and more games down the line. And that makes a huge difference. Momentum is so massive at this point of the season. And it does feel like at this point, at least, there's a little kickstart to that momentum. Whether or not it'll stay, that's obviously to be seen. But you need that kickstart or else you can't even get to the point of, of having that momentum roll. Yeah, and um, I'm assuming if you didn't get to ask many questions of the manager after the match, we, we don't really know what the injury situation with people like Ovi is. Like, uh, presumably, well, presumably he and Lauren aren't going to be involved if they weren't even on the bench midweek. Yeah, I think, um, as, as I said, unfortunately, we didn't get to ask him any of that. It doesn't appear we're going to have a pre-match press conference ahead of Saturday, which is obviously not the most ideal for finding out things uh, like team news. I wouldn't expect any of the players who missed um, the midweek to be back. I would have thought in theory that Laurent was the closest, but I, uh, I'm not really expecting any of them. I think Scott Dan more likely in a week or two. Who knows what's happened to Alan Khalilovich? He seems like he posts on Instagram every single week soon, but we haven't seen any movement on that. So I think it's probably still going to be some time for him. But yeah, I did, I'd, I'd anticipate it being much the same squad as uh, as we saw on Tuesday night. Yeah, I mean, a little birdie told me that Alan Halilovic was out for two months when he got injured. Um, so yes. that would give him another couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, whether that's just to get him back on on grass or whether it's to be back in as part of the team i don't i don't really know um i guess it remains to be seen uh there are still like quite a lot of injuries for paul Ince to contend with and yeah. and the one one quote that did come out of his press conference that i don't think went down very well was saying how thin the squad on on tuesday night was yeah, I mean, he, he he mentioned how he had to play kids, had to put kids on the bench and how they're down to the bare bones. Um, obviously, as we know from following the last few months, this isn't actually the bare bones because the bare bones has been much, much worse. I think, honestly, and to be fair, I don't think he's really an excuse-driven manager, but I, I do think it's it's understandable that that line wouldn't go down super well because at this point, fans are just tired of hearing about it. Nobody nobody cares anymore about the injury situation. They get it. Everyone understands that it's an issue and that it's a reality, but it just is the situation. You have to move past it. You have to focus on other things because nobody really wants to hear about it anymore. The team does have injured players. All right, you have to get results with the players that are there. And fortunately on Tuesday they did. So that line could kind of sort of be forgotten and left in the dust a little bit. But yeah, it's, uh, I don't think anybody wants the the manager who, or the players or whoever it is to start talking again about the injuries because we've been there. We've done that. We've seen it not be that helpful. Let's move on to what's positive, which is a couple of wins. Players starting to... Uh, get into form. I mean, Lucas Zhao has been fantastic since coming back. John Swift looks reborn a little bit playing alongside Lucas Zhao. Having Tom McIntyre back is a big deal. So let's focus on the players that are there, not the players that aren't. Obviously, missing Baba Rahman is a blow, but ultimately, there's nothing you can do. Injuries are going to happen, and they have to figure out how to get results with the players they've got in the squad. And thankfully, the last two games, they've managed that. Yeah, and with those players, Benji, what do you think they're going to be able to uh, pull out of the bag on Saturday. Uh, what's your score prediction? Okay, well, I'm uh, oh, I want to be cautiously optimistic. I'm gonna say 1 1. I'm feeling 1 1 for some reason, but um, I think that might not be optimistic enough. 
Well, yeah, see, I agreed with what Jonathan Lowe said last week with a 2-1 win. I was going to say 1-1 as well, um, but just to be different. You know what? I'll go 2-2. I'll say it's going to be a higher-scoring draw than... Because, uh, yeah, I mean, Reading, Reading have been scoring goals recently as well. That's, yeah. uh, that's the one difference. Um, obviously, having Lucas Zhao back is such a big part of that. And, uh, yeah. and Lucas Zhao that's actually kind of firing because he, mm-hmm. he, he wasn't kind of on all cylinders in the first few games back, which is understandable um oh one one extra prediction benji how many times do we think we're gonna see yaku mate start over tom Ince, uh going into the run-in because that's that's my one worry with paul Ince as manager is that um tom Ince might get more game time although to be fair he was very good on tuesday but um do we think that that might hamper yaku mate getting back in the team a bit um, well, the first first thing I'd say to that is that I think Tom Ince deserves to start at the moment. Um, Yaku Mete, I, I see no reason at the at, at this time not to keep him as sort of a super sub. He adds so much injection of pace and energy off the bench. I know that everybody wants him to be playing as much as possible because he is so fun and enjoyable to watch and can do great things. But I see no reason to really mess with things at the moment. I mean, of course, Paul Ince does have a track record of kind of holding previous clubs to ransom over his son that he was managing. So I, I I hope he's learned from that and won't sort of, and will able to be a little bit more impartial this time if Tom Ince goes through a bad run of form. But yeah, I would, uh, I would expect Yaku to stay on the bench for now, at least. Yeah. I mean, other than missing guilt edge chances, uh, Tom Ince is playing pretty well to be fair. And yeah. um, was, was pretty instrumental in winning that penalty um, as was year flopping to the floor, but let's, let's not touch on that. It's, it's nice <laughs> to actually get penalty decisions. Anyway, uh, thank you very much for joining us, Benji. Um, after the break, we're going to do something a bit different. Uh, Paul is actually going to be speaking to a new Reading podcast uh, called 1871 uh, and getting the lowdown about them. And then after that, I'll be back. Uh, getting the lowdown from the Blackpool side of When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So I'm sure you've all noticed on your Twitter timeline that there is a new Reading FC podcast. Well, it's the 1871 podcast, and we've been joined by the host, Mark Roche, to talk about what kind of content it's going to have and the fantastic guest list that it's got. It looks really amazing, Mark. Yeah, it's fantastic. So you know, my uh, my time supporting Reading goes back to, to the 80s. Um, I did go to my first Reading game with my dad in in the 70s but I became a a, a proper fan if you like in, in the 80s so uh remember the the record breaking royals very well Trevor senior Michael Jilks my all-time favorite reading player but Trevor senior not too far behind he's a guest next week we we've had Steve Koppel this week got Martin Allen Wally Downs Simon Osborne Shaka Hislop Andy Bernal the mothers to be confirmed as well so it's fantastic to have uh, guests of, of that caliber on you know especially as a reading fan it's uh it's brilliant yes yeah, wonderful list of kind of like 
names there and stories because you've covered all the eras there you haven't just stuck to one you've got and i find like doing these things if you go back to the 80s you get some some amazing stories because there was no social media so <laughs> some of the things that were going on there there were quite interesting but kind of what kind of things so you will have some kind of little bit of content about what is going on but it's mainly looking back and kind of anecdotes yeah. and kind of relating it to now but not so much focus yeah on and that's that's a theme of of the podcast it's it's all about the guest really so we we had um well we've got steve Koppel on this week and we had a chat with him about the the 106 season um his relationship with john madeski he talked about um you know signing kevin doyle and lita and you know that that season that fantastic season where you had lita doyle and and, and Kitson, um, you know, two two from three, and then carrying that momentum into the first season in the Premier League. So he, he talked about all that, but he also talked about his views on on the current team. So that's the way we're we're going to do it. It is focused on on the guests, but we also are going to ask them about what they make of the current team. So it's really interesting to hear what Steve Koppel um, said about the current team. And um, but there, but there will of course be a, a, a bit of focus on on the current team as well. Yeah, I've listened to the um, uh, Steve Copper one, and he has some probing questions. That yeah. He just floats in there. He doesn't really actually answer, them, but he just puts it out there for very people to think. About. Yeah, 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 exactly. But that's very Steve, isn't it? I mean, that that's what he does. He sees things with a very kind of investigative mind. He's looking into yeah. every little part of it. And because yeah. he knows if you don't have the whole package, you, you can't move forward as a team or as a club. But yeah. as you're here, Mark, I have to talk about the 1980s because I do not get many opportunities because yeah. uh, I am of a certain vintage, as uh, you are as well. Yeah. Uh, I want to talk about the connection that you have back with the club through your father and the Oxford United kind of takeover that thankfully never happened yeah. with Robert Maxwell. Well, that, that's my first real strong recollection of um, being a Reading fan was was back to that time when my dad was a director. And actually, the reason that, that my dad, Brian Roach, he, he became a director was uh, he was part of the team with Roger Smee, who was a the chairman then, uh, who wanted to block the, the merger, the proposed merger with Oxford United. The idea was Ro Robert Maxwell wanted to uh, turn Reading and Oxford United into Thames Valley Royals at a site in in um, Digcock, and uh, so my dad, my dad helped uh, Roger Smee block that. And as a by way of a thank you, Roger Smee said, "Well, I'd like to make you a director." So um, yeah, those, those were great days. I did the uh, I did the PA system for a season, um, and it was I don't know if any of the other fans will remember. It was a it was a season after the record-breaking Royals and we played uh, Arsenal in the third round of the FA Cup. Trevor Senior scored as he usually did, although we lost. Um, and I actually heard myself on Match of the Day reading out the half-time scores in the evening. So that was nice as well. That's a bonus, isn't it? Yeah. That is actually a huge bonus because that was so hard to achieve those kind of things in the 80s, wasn't it? We didn't have all these things like YouTube and all these, oh, yeah. thousand years old, Mark. Really old. Yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah. Happy days. Very happy it days. Was, it was totally, um, if you look back at that era and kind of the stories that you'll be able to get from the players 
on the 1878 prob, it would be just absolutely fantastic to listen to because once you get these players on board and you get them all in a room, you have like Dylan there, obviously yeah. and a Reading legend as well involved. Yeah. No, that, that was great. Dylan, you know, I've known him for, for quite a long time and I, we have been doing another podcast called Early Doors, a general football podcast. We've had some great guests on there, Pat Nevin, Alan Smith, Peter Shilton, you know, legends like that. And we just said, well, look, let's uh, let's do a Reading one. And we've got Johnny Hunt on board, who's, who's very well known as a Reading fan, going back to the 80s again. Um, he, he was on Five Live representing the podcast and we got a name check for 1871. So that, that was great. National radio. And, and the feedback so far has been, been really good. But yeah, going back to the 80s, you know, my, my Reading heroes were Michael Gilks, Trevor Senior, Martin Hicks, um, Kevin Bremner. So I'm hoping to get Kevin on as well. And we've got actually one of the guests we've got coming up is, is Laurie Sanchez. And I found out quite recently that, that Laurie Sanchez, when he left Reading, um, the reason, one of the reasons he left Reading, which he told me, was because um, uh, Reading wanted to bring in Colin Bailey, um, which I was really surprised <laughs> to hear that. Um, but yeah, what, what Ian Bramford did and that, that style of football, obviously it was a particular style, but it was just so effective. And the record-breaking Royals season, if you look at a lot of those results when we won all those games at the start of the season, it was by one goal, a lot of them. And one of my favourite all-time games was against Plymouth, 3-0 down with about 25 minutes to go, come back to win 4-3. Fantastic. It was just, you know, just such a great time to, to be a Reading fan. And obviously, I've enjoyed everything since, but it all kind of started then. Yeah, I remember that Plymouth game. I remember being in the tireless end, right up against the fence, behind the goal, and thinking, oh, this is over. And I said to my friend, oh, if we get back in this, I'll buy you a microwave. This is such a time. <laughs> Your microwaves were like gold dust. It was totally ridiculous. I was like 10 years old or something. I was never going to be able to afford this. Yeah. But um, what really gets me about that game is the person who was doing the filming on the VHS camera wasn't there because their wife had dragged them Christmas shopping. So this game, oh, they found this out about a year ago. This historical match when we come back yeah. 3-0 down and, oh, it would have been so nice to have that. But so these podcasts will be coming out every Tuesday at half past six. Is that right? Every, every Tuesday at half past six. Yeah. And like you said, um, it, there is a, a, a bit of a nostalgic theme, um, you know, talking about going back to the 80s and uh, we've, we've got, we're going to be sort of focusing on legends like Robin Friday as well, people like that. Um, and yeah, so it, it's really all about the the guests and, and the connection and the stories um, with, with Reading. And obviously I'm a Reading fan, Johnny's a Reading fan, and it's great to have Dylan on, you know, a character. Um, and, you know, sometimes I have to uh, stop him because he just wants to talk all the time. And I have to remind him that we've got a guest on. But, uh, it's it's great to have him on. I mean, he's such a such a, a, a popular ex player, and and for me, you know, I, I I'm just in so much admiration for what Sir John Madacy did with the stadium and and the foundations for the club, and 
And obviously, you know, what happened as a result of all that was getting into the Premier League, not once, but twice, three seasons in total. But I just remember that atmosphere under floodlights at Elm Park, Michael Jilks bombing down the wing in front of the South Bank, run, 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 Jilksy. And uh, yeah, you, you're not going to get that again. But as I say, I'm all, all for the progress. Absolutely. Yeah, Jilksy, what a legend. Uh, that word is overused, but not for him. He 100%. No, definitely. If you, if you think of red, red in legends, I mean, obviously you're going to include some of the uh, players that got us up to the Premier League. But but for me, the first names that come into my head would be uh, Michael Jilks, Trevor Senior, players like that. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. So I would highly recommend uh, checking out the 1871 podcast. I'm assuming it's available on all your normal platforms. Mark, it certainly is, yeah. 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 So check that out. Have a listen to that after this one or switch over. Do whatever you want. It's all good Reading FC content. So thanks a lot for joining us, Mark. Yeah, thanks very much for inviting me, Paul. Great, great to be on as a guest. No problem. I'm here with Connor from the Seasiders podcast. How are you doing, Connor? Yeah, I'm very, very well, thank you. Um, there was a bit of a deflating result against QPR yesterday, but I'm looking forward to the game at the weekend against Reading. Um, you know, it's always nice to have old managers back in the dugout where I sit is right behind the away dugout. So you can really get into giving them lots of abuse and seeing if they you know bite. And really, I think the return of Paul and Tom Ince is a wonderful opportunity for that. So I'm really looking forward to Saturday. <laughs> well, I guess you've brought it up first. So I guess we should maybe talk about the Inces. Um, how does their time on Blackpool kind of stand up to, to history? Um, it kind of feels like the beginning of the Blackpool banter era, you know, where you kind of, you had a falling out of the Premier League, you know, a couple of seasons struggling in the Championship, and then obviously the kind of very serious boycott of the Oysters until eventually Simon Sadler takes charge of the club and ends that um, really unfortunate period. But yeah, it felt it felt like the start of Blackpool becoming kind of a joke and a meme club. Um you know, a bit of background is that Tom Ince was one of the stars at the club. You know, rumour had it that he was attracting a lot of attention from Premier League clubs. Um, there is a suspicion among the Blackpool fan base that we only signed his dad, Paul, as manager um, as a way of keeping Tom at the club. You know, started off brilliantly. I think we were, you know, towards the top of the championship, you know, by um, quite quickly into his um, turn as manager. And then you kind of had a real, real collapse um, in results. And quite frankly, the style of football was never, never that thrilling. You know, there's a, there's a joke on, you know, the Seasiders chats, um, podcasts, etc., which is that his, his style of football is described as nine outfield players behind the halfway line with only comments allowed to go past and score, um, you know, he's also the only manager I've ever seen use a six at the back formation with four central defenders and two wing backs. Um, so not, not hugely fondly remembered on this, you know, on, on, on our patch, I must admit. Um, and that's why I think a lot of players, a lot, a lot of Blackpool fans are looking forward to him coming back and seeing, see, seeing how he's updated his game over the last eight years. Well, I mean, if, if I was a player, 
and a club wanted to keep me. I think hiring my dad would probably be the last thing on the list. I, you know, no disrespect to my own father, but working with him every day would be uh, would be an interesting experience. Um, yeah, I, we've heard we have heard a lot about um, Paul Lintz's kind of style of play over the last few days. Uh, it sounds weirdly like a continuity hire in some ways from um, what we've been what we've had recently. So. Maybe that will work out. Who really knows? Um, let, let's talk about actual Blackpool, I guess, rather than rather than having fifteen minutes on on Paul Lintz. Um, how's your season going? Obviously, the game at the Medeski was was probably a good one for you, uh, and it kind of sparked a, a three game winning run. Um, uh, you're safe, right? You're, there's no worries about relegation in, in your yeah, first season I, back. I think- I think only the most paranoid of Blackpool fans are worried about relegation at the moment. Um, we've had a reasonable good run of form. And I think also the relegation battle and the teams in the relegation battle at the moment are so dire. That I'm not really worried about us being drugged it, dragged in. You know, um, Not necessarily because you've been dire football, but or because of points deductions, et cetera. You know, I don't, I don't mean any offence in that. You know, there are non-footballing reasons Oh no, footballing reasons as well. Don't don't <laughs> you worry. Um, but yeah, I, I don't I, I don't think there's a sense in the fan base that um we're gonna get pulled into relegation any soon. But equally I think with the result with the loss to QPR and the loss to Bournemouth, you know, shortly before at both games where we felt like we could have taken stuff from really good teams. You know, that's been a bit deflating. And equally I don't think there's anybody who feels we're gonna go on a late playoff push now. It feels like we're just gonna see out the season. Um, in safety, which for your first season back in the championship is is no bad result. You know, most Blackpool fans would have bitten your arm off for that at the beginning of the season. In terms of, as you say, the, the home leg for you, the away leg for us earlier in the season, you know, that's, I think, the best away, the kind of the best away day we've had this season, you know, in terms of coming back to win that game, you know, absolutely, absolutely great night out. Um, and, you know, kind of still still kind of talked about in the Blackpool WhatsApp chats I'm part of as, you know, everyone's favourite away trip so far. Um, and let's hope, at least for me, from my perspective, the home leg is just as good. Yeah, a bit of a slog to get down to Reading midweek as well, I imagine, for, for a lot of you. Yeah, I was like kind of 250, 300 people, which isn't, isn't a lot. But I think because we're also excited about being back in the championship, we do tend to bring the noise as well. Um, hope, hopefully, you know, you'll be able to bring a good amount on Saturday and you'll be able to see what our home atmosphere is like. We've got, we've got a fairly bouncing north now that we're back in the championship and the Oysters are out. You know, there's been a real, it feels like a real renaissance kind of in the club. Well, that's always good to hear because like Reading are in a period at the minute where for, for different reasons, really, like the, the club isn't, you know, quite as fondly remembered as it has been in the past. But um, you know, clubs like us can probably take heart from from you guys and from other stories like that, where you've got back to where you're supposed to be. Is that, I, I don't know. Sometimes I don't like using that phrase because obviously, like you're only as good as your last season. But hey, um, so you've scored in every game in 2022 so far. Um, are, are you expecting to keep that up on Saturday? Yeah, I think so. Um... It feels odd. It still feels odd to hear the statistic that we've scored um, every game in 2022 because we're not, I, I wouldn't particularly describe our style as, you know, free-flowing football. 
you know, Neil Critchley's a fabulous manager who we all rate highly, but you know, he uses a very kind of like a four-four-two with a reasonable press, you know, and the emphasis on kind of four defenders, two holding midfielders, and really you've only got kind of four creative players who are your two strikers and your wingers. And at the moment, one of our strikers is normally Gary Medine, who is excellent, is an excellent headballer, but not necessarily the most creative footballer. Um, so kind of we're not despite that statistic, I wouldn't describe us as the most kind of free scoring, you know, attacking side, but we seem to have developed a real knack at kind of grinding out results, always kind of being able to score at least one goal. Josh Bowler on our right wing has been, you know, um particularly instrumental in that. He's hit form since Christmas, I think scored four in his last six. I think is definitely the danger man who who seems to be making a lot happen at the moment for us. Yeah, because as you say, um, you've actually only scored more than one in one of those games. And that was the 3-1 win against Bristol City. Um, and like Bristol not... City don't count because their defensive record is so poor. <laughs> well, you know, scoring more than one against Bristol City isn't for everyone. Uh, as Reading fans might have found out when we travelled there um, a, a few games ago. But I'd back us now. Now we're in good good, good form rather than uh, when we went there on the back of about five losses. Um but in these games, yeah, you're not dominating possession or anything. You're not, you're not really playing that style of football. Are, are you? You're counter-attacking, are you? And and just, I think one of the things that was really, yeah, I think I think we're quite good at setting up a block and blocking shots and running into space on the end of it. CJ Hamilton on the left wing is an extremely fast player. I think he had one point had the. You know, credentials of being the fastest player on FIFA. Um, you know, in terms of like you know the base cards. Um, and like I say, Josh Bowler is just a really electric dribbler. Like he can get past anyone. You know, he can get where water can't. Um, you know, very very good at just running at his man. But describing us as just a kind of sit deep and counter attacking side feels a bit reductive. Um, we do have a quite reasonably well-organised press. We do have a reasonably good pressing forwards. You know, um, CJ Hamilton, Josh Bowler certainly learned to do his bit. Um, Shane Lavery, one of our strikers, and Ham Jerry Yates are both very, very energetic off the ball. So I think more it's we will press initially and we'll try and run the ball back high up the pitch and you know, create the chances that way. But if you bypass us, I think we're quite good at getting back into this. You go get, getting back into position, forming that deep block. You know, if the initial press is unsuccessful, you know, I, um, as much as kind of the stats sort of kind of, you know, first glance might suggest we're a Sam Allardyce side, I think that would be a real discredit to Neil Critchley and what he's been able to do with this team. Oh, I mean, Sam Allardyce isn't so, no, I'm, I'm not even going to try and uh, support that statement. Um, one, one thing that I am very interested in is that uh, you signed Stuart Moore um, last season and okay, <laughs> he's played about 20 minutes of football for you. Um, because I think someone got an injury. Um, no. Is is it is it literally that? Is is the only reason he's he's there to provide backup? Because he he was one of those Reading Youth Academy products. You had um, Teddy Howe for a bit, but obviously he's dropped down as well. Yeah. Um, is it is it just a, an injury cover kind of situation? I think so. So I got we had Chris Maxwell as our number one choice coming into the season. Most definitely, you know, former Preston goalkeeper, but we absolutely love him now. Um, you know, very instrumental in our promotion last season, made a number of outrageous saves in tight matches. Um, 
he and Stuart Moore played a number of kind of preseason games that led everyone to believe that he would be the number two coming into the season. And Dan Grimshaw, this City Academy product we'd signed, you know, would be the third string. We weren't quite sure why we were signing a third string goalkeeper. Like that's that's what your academy is for. Um, so that was a little bit confusing. Um, and then shortly before um, Christmas, I think in the game against Blackburn Rovers, um, Chris Maxwell is injured. Part of a number of injuries that game. Stuart Moore comes off to kind of do the final 30, 20 minutes, as you say. And again, that lends the idea that Stuart Moore is going to be our number two goalkeeper. He's going to be the guy who fills in for Maxwell. And, you know, he did a good job in preseason. He's done a good job when he's been called upon in the past. He's not been exceptional, but like he's definitely someone you don't feel like you're going to lose every game with him between the sticks. And in the next game, Daniel Grimshaw, the City Academy product, would sign just the first name on the team sheet. Um, and he's really made the position at his own. Like he has pulled off some exceptional saves coming from the city environment. He's also quite good at his feet, also quite good at beating the press, um, which I think Neil Critchley quite likes. And again, Stuart Moore is now the backup to our backup, which feels a little bit unfair considering he um, did do well in preseason, was that guy who was first called upon to cover for Chris Maxwell in the game where he got injured. But Daniel Grimshaw has just been so good as the replacement goalkeeper. It kind of feels like, you know, that that race for that shirt or that kind of battle um, was over before it began. You know, he's not he's not done anything that makes anybody suggest Stuart Moore should have, a, should have a chance. Yeah, I mean, sometimes that's just life as a goalkeeper, isn't it? You you kind of you either get that chance but don't quite make it, or or you don't even really get the chance, which seems to have happened to Stuart Moore this time, which is a shame. But anyway. Um, Coming to the actual game itself, what do you think the result is going to be um, and how confident are you about it? Um, I'm going to go 2-1 Blackpool because my rule is that I always predict Blackpool to win. Um, I just feel that's what you morally need to do as a kind of fan content person. Um, I think I don't see us keeping a clean sheet. We've had a number of injuries to our back line, Richard Keogh, Marvin Ekpoteto, who have both been really instrumental players for us this season. Um, how both injured at the moment. Um, we seem to be, at least I feel, struggling to kind of keep clean sheets, to keep that concentration in games at the moment. And it seems like, you know, but based on a sample size of one game, you are at least on a new manager bounce. Again, I have my own reasons for thinking that probably won't last very long. Um but I, I think we have enough talent up top um, to at least score our ourselves, force a one or maybe for, you know, hopefully win two one. You know, which when you have that north stand and you have you have our north stand our cop cheering you on, um, I think the players do normally respond to. So I'm I'm I'm, hope, I'm, I'm hoping for a two one. Um, might drop to a one all, um, depending how I feel on day. Well, yeah, see, I went for a 2-2, so I'm not upholding those standards of going for a win. But um, when you've had Reading season, I feel like just predicting a draw is probably probably the same as your win anyway. Um, it's been great talking to you, Connor. Um, thank you very much for coming on. And, um, well, we'll see how the weekend goes, I guess. Yeah, fingers crossed. Best luck for the rest of the season. Yeah, you too. Thanks very much, mate.